And welcome to the Life Support Live podcast, the weekly podcast that explores how Star Trek can help us to boldly go in our own lives to better ourselves and the rest of humanity. As a famous starship captain once said, and as another famous starship captain also once said, the one with the new series on the way, wherever our mission takes us, We'll try to have a little fun along the way. Always, always. That's the goal. Hi, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Ali Matu. And I'm Dr. Trek, Larry Nimacek. One of us is a real doctor. And we'll leave it to you to decide who that is. <laughs> hey, every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, we record this show live on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook with our audience joining in and rebroadcast here as a podcast. If you'd like to join us live, check out the links in the show notes. And now, let's engage with our regularly scheduled program, Already in Progress. Since we've been taking our cue from the Lord X episode each week while they're running, and by the way, we're down to episode seven. There's only three left in season one. Welcome to the modern world of the 10 episode season. Um we, we've been taping our cue from the theme of uh, the new Lower Decks episode, but spreading to the whole franchise as usual. Yep. And this week we came away from the Ace story with um, not just friendship in general, because there can be all kinds of friendships, but the friendships that are actually, as opposed to the ones that seem to grab headlines, <laughs> the, the non-toxic friendships for one, actually, grow, I called it a growth friendship, um, friendships that help you grow. Friends that hold you to the fire, that help you find your way, that that um, that help you improve you to make life better for you and the rest of humanity in their own way, and then yeah. maybe you reciprocate, or maybe it's one sided. But uh, good friendships, the way we saw yeah. with Mariner and her old friend um, uh, Amina Ramsey this week. So, without getting yeah. too spoilery, that's what we're looking at. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Jared says, uh, why do I get the impression that Ali's choice of a shirt is less theming and more what was clean today? Jared, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone my secrets. Um, you had yeah. the button pinned on already. That's what the <laughs> Right, right. It, it's just it just stays there. Um, we're always active here in the comments. And well, let's kick things off by hearing your comment on what friendship do you think is the best example of the kinds of friendships that help you grow. Constructive. Um, constructive friendships. Friends that, that push you. Yeah, friends that push you when you need it. Friends that call you out on things when you need to be called out. Friends that are there for you during the really tough times. What examples from Star Trek really uh, stick out to you? Let us know in the comments. Uh, with that, Larry, let's just kind of uh, open up our non-spoiler discussion. Of, okay. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Larry. Uh, one non-spoiler, well, a spoiler for today, I think you left out, and I don't think you meant to, uh, the fact that we top off the show with an away with an away team uh, briefing. Oh, did I? Did I forget that? I think you did, but just I got a good that, away mission yeah. for today. Uh, yeah, I don't know why they did that. Yeah, also, they, yeah. also the fact, everybody, we always talk about our Skype channel there that you can come in with us on live. You don't have to be on camera if you don't want to be. You can just come on yeah. audio, just yeah. to say. Just yeah. to say, it's been a while since we had anybody visit on the Skype channel. So yeah, just saying. And those channels are always open. We always would love to have folks. Um, so uh, thank you for that, Larry. Let's let's kick off with a little non-spoiler discussion. And uh, today's theme really comes from this relationship right over here in this new episode of 
Star Trek Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry, what were what was your thoughts on uh, non-spoiler thoughts on this episode as well as this core friendship that we saw? Uh, well, there was a there was a sequence because I was pulling grabs that um, I was kind of amazed at the end. Of all things, I was amazed at the animation. I just thought it got really realistic in a cartoony wave. It, and there was a moment of high crisis for about two tie drama for two or three minutes. Um, and I was just like, wow, this is really I don't mean like, oh, the animation is seamless. I mean, the way they took or, you know, real life action and made it a cartoon the way the bodies were turning and all that just went, has nothing to do with the plot but i was like wow because okay. uh, there's so many animation shortcuts we see them do because yeah. they have to because it's animation and there was just one part through there that i was just kind of amazed that the bodies were as articulated and sophisticated no i thought it was a cute uh, for the big picture of mariner there are a couple of there are a couple of clues hiding out there we don't know how much of a career she's had that she screwed up and the fact that she has a contemporary who's a captain already, which means that she's in she's in her mid thirties. So yeah. Beckett's turning into like she's gonna out Harry Kim Harry Kim. It's like how old <laughs> is this incident? <laughs> and she doesn't have the excuse of being stuck in the Delta Quadrant with a bunch of Maquis giving her, you know, competition. <laughs> so anyway, that was intriguing. Oh, poor Harry Kim. Yeah, yeah, I um I enjoyed this episode. Um one of the things that I that I like is we're we're beginning to understand that there is a lot more to Mariner's backstory. Um uh, I had no idea she was um um the age that she is and she might be as opposed to our other lower deckers, she might be someone who um who has served much more and, and is not necessarily in the lower decks because she's newer to Starfleet. She's there for other reasons that have yet to be revealed, which are probably going to be revealed in the next few episodes. Um, I really, um, I like that relationship. That's not a relationship we've really seen before in Star Trek, Larry. One, one individual, uh, two contemporaries, both went to Starfleet Academy at the same time. And one is now in a high place of leadership and the other's career has in some ways stalled. We haven't quite seen that. We've seen first officers who don't want to become a captain. We see that kind of stuff. And we talked about Tom Riker uh, last week in our uh, two-parter episode that we did. But we haven't quite seen someone like this, someone whose career is stuck in some way. And I found that to be very relatable. Uh, I, I think those are issues that many of us uh, struggle with, the comparisons yeah. and, you know, looking at LinkedIn, where so-and-so now and comparing yourself against them. I, I thought that uh, was uh, quite relatable. Do you spend much time in the day doing this? No, but I uh, <laughs> have I have worked with many people who do. Um, and I found mm-hmm. that that... Um, that happens a lot. What what I do find myself comparing myself to is, is friends on social media. That I do much more mm. um, just in the day-to-day. Like, what are they doing? Where I, are they right now? Yeah. And, you you know, that happens a lot in, in entertainment. That happens mm-hmm. a lot. Um, mm-hmm. People, But then people have their breaks. at different, Some people, they're an overnight success at 50 versus yeah. 18 yeah. or whatever. But, you right. know, so, some of that's a little uneven. But for most of the professions... You're pretty much on the track to match. I was going to say a couple of examples of that slice uh, I can think about. Um, 
the the tapestry Picard, your favorite episode. My favorite episode. Uh, you know the the failed Picard, where he's a fifty year old ensign there. Right, you know. of course, of course. It's not it's not strictly prime timeline. Well, no, no, it it's is, a it's a but it's a portrayal, right? It right. is a very good portrayal of that. Yeah, absolutely. And then you think about you know in a in a way, Roe is a dark side version of Mariner. We've talked, we've mentioned mm-hmm. that briefly. But mm-hmm. she, you know, screwed up and got bumped back. It's the same way Tom, any of those Maquis cases where people got thrown back and were, you know, lost, they got off the advancement track for attitude or actions or whatever. But Tom Paris. Oh, well, well, that, yeah, and that brings me, uh, that makes me think of a, another person, just a little side character in Star Trek, uh, James T. Kirk. He also uh, lost a little bit of his rank. It was moved from admiral to captain. Um, in in, well, what, in an amazing form of punishment. <laughs> I love that in Star Trek Four. They're like, "Well, we have to punish you, but you did save the planet, so let's make you <laughs> captain again." <laughs> I love that moment. Um, yeah. So uh, with let's that, throw the me- book at you. Very. Cute. Yeah, 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 yeah. A little tiny book, a little pocket-sized book. Yeah. Uh, but we don't have books, so we're gonna throw a little pad at you. Um, so, Larry, let's let's dive in. Um, we're getting some some really great comments here about uh, relationship uh, friendships that that folks have identified. And um, let's start with let's start with the big one. Um, this is one of the first ones mentioned in our comments, and this is uh, this is coming from Dan. Who says there's great synergy in the Kirk, Spock, uh, McCoy triumphant? Methinks, and I have to completely agree. Uh, there's no when you're talking about these friendships, we have to start with our trio, and um, and there's a lot of combinations there. There's Kirk and Spock, there's Bones and Kirk, there's the three of them. Um, and then there's a little bit of Bones and Spock as well. Um, and they all have their different flavors and they all have their different, um, ways they play out. But how do you, how do you think these core characters of the original series, how do they help each other? How do they help each other to grow? I was going to say, what do you mean a little bit of Spock and McCoy? I always, I, <laughs> I remember. Bones I, is the reason why Spock comes back. Well, that's that. So you're very yeah. movie focused there, but I go, I mean, I'm thinking about roots of the show. It yeah. was, I mean, I wasn't there in the sixties, but it was a big thing to me after school as a kid, kind of like just watching and enjoying the show. And then it's like a second go round of after, you know, if you do your math and you're watching every day, uh, there's 79 shows, 80 shows and five a week after school or whenever means that you go through a cycle of the entire show every three months or so. So it only yep. took like, <clears throat> if you missed one or two and you didn't, you didn't realize the order way back in the day when we didn't have references out the wazoo, but you got it that they were progressing somehow through things. You could tell the uniforms were changing and all of that and hairstyles were changing. Shatner was putting on weight or not. And, uh, but that moment when it comes back around the second or third time and it's a muck time, and you're all into the whole what's weird with Spock going on here, and he and Kirk are going to go down to Vulcan, and uh, Spock turns around and says, I also request McCoy. And he says, well, I would be honored, sir. And that's the moment you go, aha! They don't really hate each other. That's all. They're going to just be uh, mimicked and paid homage to by Quark and Odo in a few years. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's exactly what you're thinking in the 70s. That's what I'm thinking in the 70s, yeah. <clears throat> so, as a kid. So, um, no, so the tri- – the, I mean, far wiser souls than I a long time ago figured out that, that you know, if, if uh, Spock is the intellect and McCoy is the heart and and Kirk is the – is the combination? It's the hands. Yeah. It's the what is it? Yeah. Super? Is it ego? Pathos, logos, ego, super ego, ego. Yeah. And, you know, take your pick of of frameworks. But yeah, you you got you have really uh, these three characters who are capturing Which, emotions, logic, right. and the integration of the two. But <clears throat> right there, what you mentioned about aha, you know, you are really friends. Something that's that's unique about Spock and and Bones is um, they're very honest with each other. I mean, th- these three are they're all very honest with each other, but um, especially Spock and and Bones to the point where they're not really worried about offending each other, even though Bones can be quite offensive and um, and will will say all these things, but they're. They know they're friends. They know they work together. They know it's not it's not personal. They're not taking offense to that. Mm-hmm. Well, and they dig each other. And I, you know, I I, I sent you a couple of images there. There's always yeah. a, there's a moment. There's a dual scene or like a uh, just successive scenes in Friday's Child, which apparently is an episode that people are having issues with these days. Some people are having issues with these days, but I always love the structure. In in uh, Friday's Child, where they're on the planet with the Kling- the Capellans, the people that wear carpets on a hot desert world. But uh, there's a moment where they're doing the thing and they're doing the drama, and and McCoy is in with Elian, the queen. And she's about to give birth, or she's just given birth. She's with the baby, and he's out with Spock, thinking about how they're going to hold off an attack by these natives with the Kling the Klingon agent, um, with them. And both times, Kirk is with, he's with Spock. He's like, I don't know. What can we do? Well, what about could we use our communicators as some sort of a sympathetic vibration and cause a landslide? And Spock's like, oh, I don't know. The odds against that are pretty high. And Kirk's like, well, forget I even asked. And Spock's like, no, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. You know, <laughs> but what gets me is then there's a dual scene where Kirk's with McCoy talking about her giving birth and not wanting the baby. And McCoy says, "Well, I don't know. I've got, I've got to get her cave. She doesn't want the baby. I'm out here by myself." And Kirk is like, "Well, you know, I'm sorry. Sometimes I expect too much of you." <laughs> it's like, "No, wait a minute. I don't need you. You know." But he go. Kirk finds a way, like you were just talking about. But it's a, it was a really cute moment because it's totally parallel. It's Dorothy Fontana writing. It's a totally parallel thing where Kirk is goading both of his friends to do better as they're kind of despairing yes. in yes. their own ways. They're <clears throat> despairing and he's poking them to do better, which all through Star Trek is like that's the pinnacle of uh, of a friendship. That's not a destructive, toxic one, but one where we're kind of, you know, whether we're where it's a silver platter or yeah. it's a little bit of a poke or whatever, but where we're. Like that's what we kind of get into with uh, yeah. just good growth friendship. Yeah. yeah. Um, one example. I mean, what what you're speaking to here? I mean, is there's lots of that... examples of those three, and you had some like the movie era. There, oh, there's so many. Yeah. I mean, uh, let me go back. I can I can pull out a little bit of TOS as well. Um, not as much as you can, but I, I I've got some. Um, one that really sticks out to me is uh, a private little war. It's uh, I. 
I am still blown away by this episode that is, is doing so much social commentary about the Vietnam War at the height of the Vietnam War on TV. Um, and the, where the episode ends is there's no good solution, really. And, and Bones is sort of, he's not, he's making a case to Kirk about, uh, and asking these really tough questions. Mm-hmm. And Kirk responds and he kind of says, like, I don't know what to do. I, there's no, there's no good option here, Bones. We don't have anything, you know. Um, I'm paraphrasing heavily here, but what, um, yeah, what I think we see there in that scene <laughs> is such honesty and vulnerability between, um, between Kirk and McCoy. We see, uh, complete honesty there. And I think that's, that's part of what we're talking about. These friendships that help you to grow is you have a comfort with someone else and you know, you can share these very vulnerable parts mm-hmm. of yourself, whether saying like, Hey, you can do better. I know you can do better here. Or I, I have no idea what to do. And I am deeply afraid about this too. Um, those are two hallmarks that I think that, that honesty and vulnerability that are, we're going to see through all the relationships we're talking about today. Yeah. Private Little War, by the way, that, that, that cycle, this, that second or third time through cycle that I don't know. I guess, I guess that can still exist now. Back when there was no bloody A, B, C, or D and you (laughs) have those 80, you know, and they just cycled around constantly. And that was Star Trek. But I, it, that phenomenon of the second or third time you've seen enough, you've seen enough collectively and then an individual show, an episode that you go, now wait a minute, on everything from like, you know, oh look, the badges match the color of the shirt. Oh my God. That <laughs> level to the specifics of episodes. But, um, but yeah, having that, that, uh, time around where you go, now wait a minute and private little war. The time, it, it, the last line of the episode is that whole, it's, it's, it's a quagmire mood. It's that there is no solution. And so instead of having the happy Star Trek, ha ha ha, Flintstones ending, as I always used to call it, where everything is all settled and wrapped up with a bow, private little war, the last line of the episodes is, beam us up, we're very tired. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that just, my little, my little kid brain, after watching the series a couple of passes through, and for that episode to end up that way, I was like, well, I mean, somewhere on the way, I intellectually went, oh, this is a Vietnam story. Um, and it was right, and we were out of Vietnam barely, but it, we were all still suffering the hangover of the war in human terms and and economic and financial and all that. But I just remembered thinking, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know, good it's, on them for having not a token little happy dappy ending. Yeah, if, if folks haven't seen it in a while, uh, it's definitely worth a rewatch and just remember the era in which that show was released. That episode was released. It's it's uh, phenomenal. Um, but let's let's kind of move forward in the timeline yep. here. Yep. Uh, Jason mentions Guinan and Picard, and this is one uh, that you and I were talking about very much, uh, Larry. Um, in, in this moment here, for one, especially. Yeah. Um, what episode is this from? This is from uh, I Borg. Oh, of course, of course. There's there are many moments where Guinan reflects something back to Picard. 
and it helps things click for Picard. Um, whether it is from iBorg or whether it is from, um, Q Who to, um, oh, the great data episode, um, of, uh, the second season. Um, oh, uh, yeah. Help me out here, Larry. What, uh, the name of the episode I'm thinking of, um, the data on trial as a, yeah. as a property, which is called measure the man. Measure of a Man, one of TNG's greatest episodes. You know, in that moment where uh, Guinan Guinan says, wow, you could have a whole army of uh, disposable datas. And Picard says, what are you you saying? And she pushes him further, and Picard realizes Guinan's talking about slavery. And then everything clicks, and everything changes in terms of how Picard moves forward. Guinan is sort of the... um, the epitome of the kind of friend that we all hope to have in our life, the person who can come to us during these difficult times and push us, push us towards good, push us towards growth. And then we see that come back again in, uh, is it Time's Arrow, where they're uh, going back in time? Yeah, I love this episode. I think, I maybe it's because I'm a Californian, I don't know. I love this episode. I, I think it's mixed among fandom, meeting Mark Twain and all that, all, all, all that kind of stuff, the Wild West stuff. Um, you know it was all shot in Los Angeles, though. Ah, f- don't tell me these things. I don't want to know about it was where... It a free K3 and everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's rare now for Star Trek to be shot in Los Angeles. Um, it's usually all up in Canada yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Um... But I, I love that episode, and we see Picard reflecting back to Guinan that um, we have a friendship that, you know, I cannot even define for you, and you have done so much for me, and I'm going to be here, and I'm going to help you, and we're going to get through this. Um, I love their relationship, and um, I hope we get to see more of it in, in the next season of, uh, of Star Trek Picard. Well, there's, we, we went through, and the chat is, I'm, I've got my chat up here front and center, and it's, it's full of great examples, and some of them are ones I pulled images from, I couldn't do everything. Um, but, um, we, well, do you want to move forward to DS9 then? Cause I think, well, I think so, yeah, we, yeah, we've, we've, uh, well, oh, there's one more from, well, if we're doing them chronologically, there's one that I realized was really interesting that has a dynamic to it, and it's one where, to starts off with, where, they start to build up the backstory finally. They give Riker some... I, I always say that Best of Both Worlds is really... There There was no real Riker character until... Bam. Two mm-hmm. or three things. Not just Shelby, but a lot of things are going on in Best of Both Worlds. And one of them is where they realize that, that Riker has been offered his third command and he's not keen to rush into it. And they suddenly realize, wait, this is the third time. We should make this a character thing. Like, what's wrong with Riker? <laughs> but there's a scene where he's actually talk- talking to to Troy about it. Yeah. And she's trying to do a mini council in 10 forward. But what I loved about this was not only did they have their prior relationship and they're kind of playing footsie the whole time a little bit and dancing around this, even as they're not together, but she's counseling him as a friend, really not as a counselor, about whether he should do or whether he's like overcompensating for not wanting to and what's wrong. But then within two or three years more, the tables are turned and she's going for her command uh, authorization. 
and she's not doing well and he's counseling he's poking her and well he's you know he's he's trying to help her show her the way and and mentor her a little bit with that same kind of help but this is a couple of friends who are much more than friends who are past imzadis that wind up then they are eventually finally get over themselves and they get married through all the twists and turns i just real i was trying to think of when's what's the most uh fleshed out version of of a relate we have some few you know couples Mm-hmm. In Star Trek, but that seems like the time when, like, the friendy Tom and Bellana were banging heads mm-hmm. half the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we didn't see a lot of. You know, the the time we met Keiko was the day they got was the week they got married. So right. it's not like we saw a lot of development for couples and and Worf and Dax a little bit um, before they were married. We, some sparked. But as far and they they would counsel each other too. But as far as the the re, couples with the relationship, I just felt like there was a lot there because they had so much time to do it that it was kind of a unique situation there in Star Trek. So I want to make sure and give a shout out not for their romance and the will they or won't they end of their relationship, but the time when they actually we saw them helping each other and not yeah just even professionally. I mean, as friends. I, I think that's a really great point. Um, they well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> what I what I like about that example is it it also highlights um, some of the complexities of friendships. Um, sometimes we we form romantic connections with people, and then we realize actually we might be better friends. And mm-hmm. um, what where that line is can be wibbly wobbly, as we see with Troy and Riker. Um, so that's that's a wonderful example of two individuals who are helping each other. I also want to share. Um, that in the moment uh, counseling that you talk about, Larry, that mm-hmm. is very, um, very representative of what it's like to be a, a therapist, a counselor, a psychologist uh, serving in the military. When you are, especially if you're on a ship, um, if you are on, um, if you're stationed away remotely, the lines of uh, when you're officially a friend versus a therapist. Um, Must be drawn here and no father. No, the lines are a, a bit nebulous and vague. They're definitely not drawn here. Um, so it's uh, that that scene kind of shows what what it can be like to be serving a uh, organization in, in that way. Um, that's a great example. Uh, Cairo mentioned uh, Nog and yes. Jake. From Deep Space Nine, and we uh, well before we get to Deep Space Nine, a few folks have mentioned Data and Jordy, which I think is a kind of one-way friendship. Like uh, at least from what we see, we see Jordy help Data a lot um, and help him to grow. Do you see much of Data helping Jordy to grow, Larry? Do we see well, much? Sure, growth Data in... was in there all the time. Jordy and all his girlfriend problems. Don't you remember all those moments where Data was in there helping Jordy with his? No, I guess no, not. no. Okay, Jordy. I do remember Jordy's girlfriend problems. There's a lot of them, uh, <laughs> but but it wasn't Data helping him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Wesley could do more than yeah. Um, yeah, thinking about it, that's I, I never realized that, but it does feel like more of a one-way growth in that relationship. Yeah, and and you know everybody, we're talking about a very again. I said we're not talking about the toxic relationships or the destructive relationships, friendships, if you want to say that. 
but the ones but and there are plenty of friendships in Trek and Data and Geordi is one of them. They're perfectly fine friendships and yay. We we were trying to uh, like Mariner and uh, Ramsey in this last episode of Lordex. We were trying to look at the the friendships that especially and maybe they're not constant. They've been those two have been apart for years and just reunited and they fall but they if that's the way they were when they were younger but they fall right back into uh, at least Ramsey having a moment here to, to, you know, kind of goad Mariner into some self-examination and, and look at herself as far as way as a path forward. And so we were looking at of all the, the great friendships that we enjoy watching, um, which are the ones that had moments of one of the one or both. That's why I was talking about Riker Troy being kind of unique. Uh, because it was like on three levels. They mutually went and then they, they took it to the next step. But at least as far as the relationships, and maybe it is one side. And I even got to thinking, Ali, some of this is, yeah. it's the one division here might be, because we get into this later, are the two friends really contemporaries? Or is there like, mm. say, an age difference? Because when there's an age difference of a little bit, even a half a generation, then you're getting into mentoring or even, you know, mothering fathering a little bit yeah and so if we're talking about that then um wesley comes up um a a few different folks have mentioned wesley wesley and picard um data and wesley geordie and wesley um and you know i think that's um it, it might become a little academic discussion of what's the line between a friend and a mentor and are we really only talking about age there? Because I, as in, in adult relationships, someone can be your mentor and they can be your friend. And it, it's pretty right. easy. There's, you can, um, I think, it, I think what we're coming down on is power. Probably there doesn't have to be a power dynamic there, but with age, there often is you just have because. less just because, yeah, you yeah. have less power by virtue of being a kid and having less less agency and less ability. So I, I think it's a little hard to be friends with someone who is uh, um, who is more empowered or much older than you when you're a kid. I don't think it's impossible. But like I'm thinking about like my aunts and uncles. Would I consider them a friend when I'm a kid growing up? Or my parents' friends? Would I consider them my friends? Which is kind of like a Picard and Wesley situation. Picard is not only your mom's boss, but also your mom's friend. And yes, commanding officer of uh, your dad and why your dad died. So it gets complicated. But um, well, yeah, you, would you, you consider know, that the, friendship? Yeah, some of the relationships in, in, well, in real life, but in fiction, even we see like a skip generation, even like grand, not so much grandparents and their grandsons and daughters, but that, you know, you see your young people who find a person two generations beyond them and they're able to find a bond of some way. And it's like the young person maybe gives the older person a reason, you know, a reason to get up in the morning or to share, you know, they're, they've been cast aside, but they've suddenly got someone who cares about whatever knowledge or experience they had. And you've got somebody young who's actually mature enough or they stumble into it accidentally where they pick up they're they're picking up a lot of guidance from this person maybe they didn't get from a parent or both parents or it's just a hole in their life that nobody's able to provide and they you know they share an interest maybe that transcends 
the generation. So, I mean, I, I it's kind of poignant and kind of sweet when you see, I started to say a long-distance relationship. A long-distance relationship over a generation, it's not over space. Yeah, you yeah. Know. Uh, let's, let's complicate things even further. Uh, Zaheer brought up an example that I was thinking about, too. Um, Picard and Q. Now, at first glance, you might be thinking, what are you talking about? Um, Encounter at Farpoint and those first early seasons... Q is such an antagonist figure for the Enterprise, but specifically for Picard. And then you look at episodes like Tapestry, where Q gives this, Q gives Picard this gift of this new understanding. And then you also look at all good things. And not only did Q give us probably the greatest finale in Star Trek that we've ever seen, <laughs> um, but also gives Picard um a very new understanding of himself and of humanity and it um there's there's a lot of there's a lot of times where Q actually really helps Picard to see things in a new way. Mm-hmm. Is this a friendship, Larry? Especially as well that's a that's a good question, Ollie. No, especially as <laughs> the relationship matures and we get away from the red robe judge yes. moniker. And then there's times when Q is be- was being i mean the introduction of the borg is kind of like tough love and that's yeah absolutely it's it's a bit of a warning that's that's only their third meeting yeah and the first two are really kind of like a power trip and 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 me judge you and all that and then after q who we get into the whole oh i've been i've lost my powers and we get you know we get into the little q of the week the Q of the season of the quirky thing. What's different now? Oh, look, there's a young Q. Hmm. Oh, look, it's a, there's a woman. Oh, there's a son. I mean, across the sea, you know, the series. But yeah, there's, there's times when, there's times when Q seems like he's almost mentoring humanity and Picard is the representative for that. So it's, there is a personal, you know, Picard never did. Yeah. yeah. There is I, a personal I, level to it. I'm going to vote no. Because they they don't spend time together, they don't enjoy their time together. There's a huge power uh, differential, um, as um, uh, Cairo says. Uh, when we include Pew, uh, Pew. <laughs> when we include Pew, <laughs> when we include Picard and Q, that's I think that would be uh, the fan fiction slash name is Pew. Um, but when we include Picard and Q, I think we need to include Cisco and the Prophets. And and you can't really do that. They're not. There's a massive power differential. They can't just hang out. They can't spend time together. Um, I do love that line though. This little pond of goo. <laughs> that is a great. That's a great line. Um, but I would uh, let's let's move forward, Larry. We've got a lot more Star Trek to talk about, as is always the case. And um, Victoria, we want to welcome you back. Uh, welcome to your third week on Life Support Live. Very happy to have you here. I do want um, to point out. I said it in ours, and I said it on on Twitter outside the show. But we're having problems with the YouTube channel. Yeah, this week. So I apologize if any of you. If any of you know people that might be over on YouTube wondering what's going on, if you can message them or whatever, it's, it's you know, it's YouTube, yeah, it's, I think, it's, it's, it's way. 
Christopher, I think, flagged that for us a little bit earlier. There's, it wouldn't be an episode of Life Support Live without some type of tech problem, right, Larry? Oh, uh, I'm looking <laughs> for the day, but right. I hope I'm, uh, is my. I think my sink is. You're looking good. good. You're looking and sounding good. Yeah. Um, okay. as I hope we both are. Um, so Cairo mentioned a while back Jake and Cisco. So I want to talk about these right. two because I think Jake and Larry, Nog. Uh, yeah. Whoops. Jake and Nog. Jake and Cisco, I would vote. Especially that moment right there. Yes. Yeah, 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 this moment. So I, I want to make an argument that they might be the ultimate example of friends that help each other to grow. Because not only is there not a power differential between them, they're around the same age, they grow up together, they end up living together briefly on Deep Space Nine, but they help each other to grow in very different ways and they help each other to understand who they are individually. And they do a lot of things together that you see friends doing. I know a lot of people have mentioned it here is O'Brien and Bashir and they're wonderful and they do help each other to grow. But here we have two characters that we see grow up and we see really transform from who they are in the beginning of the series to the end of the series. I think their friendship most mirrors this kind of concept we're talking about, about someone who's there at these pivotal points and does nudge you in a direction towards growing, doing better, becoming more resilient, um, really staying true to your values. Jake and Cisco, Jake and Cisco, that's the same person. Um, Jake and Nog are the, um, they're the best example of that. Well, and it, we have a little bit of a, yeah, in what you said, the part of that, the reason is we're seeing them grow up as well as yeah. just have a, yeah, have a character development. And, and especially we're really seeing Jake grow up or Sorak growing up, uh, and leaving Nog behind. But yeah, they both, you know, Nog is the street smart one, so to speak. And, um, Jake comes from the legit, you know, um, even though he rebels against it at times, the Starfleet human world, and they both help illuminate each other in ways that help. They're not just, oh, it's trivia. But, you know, Nog winds up in Starfleet and Jake winds up not in Starfleet. And, and they, you know, whether it's, it's dating girls or whether it's life things like that and staying in and out of trouble and, and sticking up for the other one to their yeah. parents, to their culture. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. Uh, Libby has a great comment here that Nog and Jake also help bridge the gap between their peoples. And um, not only, Libby, I completely agree with you. And they do that in canon, but they also do that for us. Um, I walked into Deep Space Nine really not liking Ferengi. And that was based on what we saw in TNG. And there's such a... um, misunderstood. Well, I realized that in Deep Space Nine. In TNG, I really dis- I thought there was such um, a stereotype, and um, I know, I, yeah, there were, and I know they were meant to be this great commentary on capitalism, and they were meant to be the great villain of TNG, and it didn't work, so we got the Borg, so I think that was good. Um, but it, it's not until Deep Space Nine that I think we see the the rich diversity of this culture and you're able to get past the stereotypes that were set up in TNG 
And a lot of that is through Jake and Nog and their relationship and, and seeing how Benjamin Sisko has his own uh, stereotypes and biases about Nog mm-hmm. and Ferengi and his concerns about his son fraternizing with this kid. Um, it's, it's really beautiful how you see yep. <clears throat> not only does their friendship help each other to grow, but I think it helps their parents to grow. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it helps them to see past, oh, my kid wants to join Starfleet. Oh, my kid is hanging out with these Ferengi. You see, you begin to see the value of these different cultures and um, how you can actually work together and benefit um, the greater good by by supporting each other. I, I love that about them. Yeah, yeah. We should we should probably move along because we've got so many. And there's more. In, yes, now, see, now Voyager initially threw me a little bit. Uh, yeah. and there's there's lots of friends. Obviously, there's you know there's uh, Harry and 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 um and tom as a as a friendship but again to me that was like that was oh, like a before before we move along larry i think we have to oh. mention one um we have to mention our friends uh kira and dax oh yeah um we should we should talk about them and we had a hard time with dax because dax has so many examples uh dax and cisco dax and quark um dax and Pretty much everyone else on the ship. Um, but let's let's talk about Dax and Kira just just for a brief moment. What came well, what came to mind is all the times, and this may be a little one sided as well. But all the times Dax was instrumental in getting Kira to you know loosen up, loosen up, get you know. And part of this is like, so you were an abused, <laughs> an abused, uh, occupied uh, uh, woman. Who became a terrorist? Who now has the guilt over your terrorism, even though it was seen as virtuous, as as uh, you know, earned? So you've got all those issues, but come on, loosen up now. Everything's cool. Oh wait, there's a war on. You have to go back and do that again. But I, there were the moments like that lighthearted moment there, the the holodeck moments, and then the other one where they're in the Hubitian baths on Trill, and they're it's a towel scene, it's a bathhouse scene. But there's moments where Dax is trying to get her to loosen up. I think there's even a, I'm trying to remember if there's, she even has a little bit of quote unquote counseling around Kira and her love life as it gets mm-hmm. complicated mm-hmm. over time. It's, boy, it's not quite like a, a Troy and Crusher, you know, uh, workout session in the Enterprise gym. Oh my gosh. But, oh my gosh. She, those 80s leotards. Gosh. But she, um, well, it's the 2380s. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> It's the '60s leotards, the 2360s. Anyway, I yeah, there, there's a lot of opportunity there. For, I mean, and Dax and Worf, even as they're they're courting, yeah. but she's you know pushing Worf to do. Um, yeah, I, I um, anyway. Libby says it well, where where she says um, Dax is a people person who makes friends easily without judging for the most part. And what I like about their friendship is. Um, it really seems like Dax is there for Kira when she needs it. The times that she does need, um, to just take care of herself and some self-soothing, um, or the times where she needs a new perspective. Kira isn't one to open up that much about the life she's lived with other people. Um, but she is able to do that with Dax. And Dax is an incredibly wise person 
And Jadzia, of, of the Daxes, Jadzia is also one who is a bit more playful and, um, mm. and wants to help people to have fun and enjoy life. It seems like Dax is, Jadzia Dax is exactly the kind of person Kira needs in her life right now. Um, and I, I love this image because it's show, it so personifies that. Um, so, uh, I love their friendship, mm-hmm. but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Larry, we're, we're also jumping into Voyager and I think I, I know where you're headed. Uh, you're headed to a very complex relationship, I think. Well, again, this got to the first thing that came to mind when I was, cause I was thinking, oh, there's lots of friendships in Voyager, but to the level that we're talking about. And then like where one person is really helping the other. And the first thing that came to mind was, was Janeway and Seven. Yes. But then I thought, yes. well, does this, but then also does that veer into, you know, the whole maternal, I'm going to finish raising you, your arrested development as a child and, and bring you back, not just your humanity, but yeah, some of those, some of those childish aspects as, as, as adultizing. She has the, uh, the adult intellect, but not the relation, not the social, social graces and all that, just dealing with people. And she, she, you know, in the guise of making you human again, um, that you, cause since she was interrupted, what she was like five or six when she was assimilated. So it's really like an interrupted, like a lot of other traumas that, what are they, that's an old trope. I don't know how true it really is, but the old trope about when you have a trauma, you're frozen at that stage of development in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think that's a trope. Uh, we could, we could dive into that a little bit further, but, um, I, I agree with you that the Janeway seven relationship is less about friendship and more about mentoring and parenting that Janeway is fulfilling that, that figure. I think Dan, although actually, I think that the friendship catches up by the end, by the end. Yeah. Yeah. By the end. Um, and if we see them now in season two of Star Trek Picard, it, you know, Admiral Janeway and Seven, they're probably in a different place. But Janeway and Chakotay, Jan, uh, Dan mentions Janeway and Chakotay, and I think they are much closer to the friendship than, than we see, um, other characters on Voyager. What's unique about them is while Chakotay was Janeway's first officer, he was also in his own command before Voyager, he was mm-hmm. um, he was in the Maquis. So there, it's a very different dynamic than most first officer captains, where they're almost already as equals, even though there is this difference in rank. Um, he's not truly in Starfleet, but he's serving in the first officer role. So I think earlier on in Voyager than we see in other series, there are examples of Chakotay calling out Janeway, of talking to her also in a more friendly way, inviting her to more social things, checking in on her. There's a lot more of that than I see with the other first officers, maybe with the exception of Spock and Kirk. But um, I, I think Dan is, is right on here. They, they have much more of a friendship than we usually see with, with that type of dynamic. Well, just sitting here realizing it, a lot of the... Not so much, uh, Picard Riker. They may be the closest, but Kirk Spock had cultural difference. Uh, Cisco yeah. and Kira, cultural difference, where they yeah. came, you know. Um, um and, moving on and to Archer Enterprise and as well. Yes. Cultural difference, you know. Yes. Yes. Um, 
there's uh, there's a few different examples. Let's let's jump into enterprise here. There's a few different examples we have. Um, and flocks in uh, to Paul is is one of the ones we uh, we picked up on. And here I think they're almost they're almost drawn to each other out of necessity. They're two aliens relative to all the humans on the no. ship. They're the also two. They're the two <laughs> aliens. They're also the two space veterans. Flocks has served in this um, doctor exchange program. Flocks has seen a lot more of the galaxy than any human on the ship. And same thing with T'Pol. T'Pol always grew up in a world that knew of everything else that's out there. Um, whereas the humans were just sort of opening their eyes to that. So these two are able to connect and support each other in living with all these humans. Um, and I, I really like that relationship that they have. Yeah, um, but also, you know, to Paul confiding a lot of as her as her very standardized Vulcan life started blowing up the minute she got involved with these humans, including parts of her Vulcan background. When all when the when the um, when the renegades show up and the whole thing with mm-hmm. mind melding, and then her much lesser relationship with with Trip takes off, and her and her addiction, um, all these issues like Flocks was kind of the logical person for her to turn to and he's doing it out of they don't have a counselor he's doing it he's kind of counseling as a doctor generically would but it's it's handy and she doesn't have to let her guard down to archer or trip as far as you know colleagues in a lot of ways and trips the object of some of this so yeah flox is great about about that to paul back at him a little bit there's a couple of times but i it's it's real that's really more of a one-way um, to uh, you know, Flox wasn't often that vulnerable aside from when he had to do his, uh, when, when, when the animals were in danger or when he was, the whole ship depended on him to be awake, you know, he was the only one up and around or, I mean, there were a couple of two or three times when Flox was really, was really vulnerable, but most of the time he was one of the stronger personalities on the ship yeah. and, and stable, yeah. you know. One um, one relationship I think that is really interesting is what Zahir mentions, uh, Shran and Archer, especially as they fight common enemies and they co-found the Federation, mm-hmm. but their relationship is also super complex. Zahir, I would say, yeah, we got we got to put the Vulcans in there as well with the founding of the Federation and and the Tellarites as well as uh, I who am I missing that, here? Yeah. Who am I missing? Uh, Tellarites, humans. Uh, and Dorian's well. Okay, I'm not missing anyone. I got them all. Um, uh, well, Shran- I'm missing more Tellarites, but that's a whole other soapbox. But okay. <laughs> um, Jared, can we add that to the life support uh, drinking game? Anytime Larry mentions Tellarites, I think should be also on there. Uh, the relationship here between Shran and Archer starts in um in a difficult place. But well, they're adversaries. They, they're enemies. They're they're or, very much adversaries. Or Shran, to Shran, they're enemies. Archer wouldn't care, but yeah, Archer's like we're we're humans. We love everyone. You know, we're we're we're, we're good. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> uh, can't whoa, we just whoa, be whoa, friends? Whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the thing that happens though is Shran understands that Archer is a decent person, and he is a um, a person of his word. That you can you can trust this person, 
And that builds this friendship that we see evolve over the course of the show. Mostly we see it evolved in the fourth season, but that's, that's something else. Thank you, Manny Cotto, for that. Um, the, the thing that, that happens between these two characters is they often come to each other's aid. So they're quite literally saving each other's life a, a few different times, but they push mm-hmm. each other. Um, in, in, in similar way that we see in the original series where, uh, Bones and Spock are sort of able to insult each other a little bit. We see that with Shran calling uh, Archer pink skin and, and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we see them evolve and I actually think they have a wonderful friendship by, we're by the We're sneering our way to progress. That's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would be amiss if I didn't mention Porthos and Archer. Uh, Larry, I think that that is, uh, is that a friendship? I think we can probably, anyone who's had a pet, um, We'll probably say is, yes, absolutely. Is that a friendship or is Archer just enabling Porthos with all the cheese? You He's know? Giving him a lot of cheese. That cannot be good for the air quality of a That's a tiny, life. tiny ship, and for him to be cutting <laughs> that much cheese is just not. I don't Ooh, know. but I know. <laughs> that would kind of stink. Okay. Uh, Dan mentions uh, Trip and Reed, and I think they're also. They're kind of, um, they're the two humans that are trying to, uh, they're exploring all this space uh, and, 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 uh, ex- yes, yes. Uh, okay. Well, you're kind of intruding on my K3, but okay. We will TBD, TBD on the, on the <laughs> K3 there. Um, <laughs> and I let's kind of round things up. I'm an awful lot flying by here though. Uh, did I, did we have another one from Voyager besides? I don't uh, think so. I mean, people throwing out all kinds of yeah, yeah. and again, it's this thing. I mean, tours. Yeah, I, I think so many tours in Paris. Be, yeah, hmm? I think tours in Paris are are the other one we kind of mentioned that we could explore more. Yeah, well, I mean, like Tom and Harry, but it's like oh, it's the college roommate kind of friendship. I don't know. I mean, there's times when they help settle the other one down, especially. <laughs> Or they would, I don't know, it feels like, now I'm just thinking off the top of my head, it feels like Harry and uh, Tom and Harry may get the award for the friendship where they both told each other what they ought to do, but neither one did it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty fair. Um, I don't know, I'm just totally like off the top, somebody may have something up, but just to, trying to think of it in a rush here, because I was kind of discount, not discounting their friendship, but again, this filter we put on about, what are the really, really constructive progressive friendships that were for one or both people? Dan, like he says, the doctor and doctor and Kess, which is very true. Yeah, Kess helping so. the doctor develop. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's a vo- that's a V'ger. That's uh, a V'ger. Well, if you want to talk about V'ger, I, I forget who mentioned it earlier, but there was a motion picture example. Um, but we got we got two more series, and then we have uh, we still have our other segments. So let's. Let's uh, yeah. jump to these quickly. I, I think the biggest example in Discovery is of mm-hmm. Michael Burnham and uh, Tilly. Uh, they really have a wonderful friendship. And, and yeah, Larry. Um, yeah, go for it. You, you had some great. No, I was going to say two way. You've got right there, you've got uh, Michael, you know, goading her on to get into the command training program. The, yes. the jogging is a great little metaphor for it. But then also on a personal side, you've got Tilly. Being maybe the most 
I don't, they don't have a counselor. <laughs> they have a visiting admiral come in and counsel on Discovery. But it's a war. <laughs> in but then you've got Tilly kind of helping Burnham reintegrate into relationships after she's into her shutdown mode after prison, after she's been yeah. in the house now. And yeah. I, I, I sent you the one image a couple of times there where she's really trying to get uh, Michael and Ash together and, and right. open those doors. And she's just trying to get her to to open up to people in general, but especially those two. Anyway, I just thought that moment there was really telling, you know, mama Tilly is sitting there overseeing. <laughs> She's matchmaking there, but I, in a, in a uh, healthy Tilly, way, it's healthy for overall for Michael, not just in that one instance. T- Tilly's responsible for one of my um, most frequently used gifts when I'm messaging with people, which is, um, She's in the mess of the discovery. And I don't mean that. That's, I don't mean the mess of discovery. I mean the it's mess been of all. Mess. <laughs> There's been times. Oh, but of uh, the mess hall of the discovery. And she's eating and she's looking at Burnham and says, I love feeling feelings. Um, I, I, I think that's so I well, <laughs> I, that's so captures who she is. And she is someone who has um, such a um, she's such a standard for so many of us who would be on the ship and would be so excited to be serving on a starship and to be in Starfleet. And that is um, it's something that helps other characters, especially Burnham, who have, are going through so much, so much to um to open up a little bit more. I think she's a wonderful example of that. Uh, and there's one more character we wanted, to, one more relationship we wanted to talk about going into Star Trek, uh, Picard is yeah. Picard and Rafi. Um, we could easily talk about Picard and Riker and we see their friendship, but the new relationship here is Rafi and Picard. Right. Well, part of the, part of the problem with Picard is we've only had the 10, 12 episode, 10 episodes with them. And we haven't got to see a lot. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to say, see what happens with seven and Rafi. Yeah. But, yes. um, and I'm not talking about the time they served together, although they probably had an, they had a unique friendship because she calls him JL, which makes it different than anything else that we know of from Picard's life. But as far as really her, quick, Larry, are you pro JL or are you nay on JL? I'm fine with JL. Okay. Okay. Good grief. Let's I have diversity good relationships. Grief. <laughs> it's like, I yeah. I like JL. I do think we heard a lot of JL. Uh, there's one episode where I think she like mentions it 50 times. Um, but okay. uh, but I'm pro JL. I do like yeah. I like what you're saying. They haven't it shows they haven't a different been together for eight years or whatever it's been eight or ten years. So let her JL a little, and she's. She's in a very, you know, this whole time, Raph, is it before or after she goes through her trauma with her son and, and the grandbaby that she's not going to see? Well, we're not sure how that time and her I, And her confrontation with her drug, you know. Raffi has a rough time here. And I, yeah. I, I first was going to say Raffi and, and Rios, even. He's a good friend to her in this kind of a thing, relationship where somebody's... Rather than enabling somebody, they're really trying to help clean them up for what, you know, psychologically, dependency wise, whatever's going on. And she's a mess, which is why she's amazing. We finally figure out she, she runs like moment when she handles the subterfuge, she calls her old friend and really burns up all her brownie points that were left over to get something. 
and don't ever call me again. Okay, here, but don't ever call me again, which is another, oh, my God, another part of my life is, like, blown up, and I'll never get it back. But yeah. she sacrificed it, but we see her pull it together by the end. But a lot of the ten episodes is seeing her hitting bottom, figuring out why she's hit bottom, and, oh, she's hit bottom for three or four different reasons, and... um and watching and and the guy that she starts off blaming and mad at and angry before and feeling ignored by is Picard and he winds up helping her. But then a lot of them are poking at Picard and helping him get caught up with, you know, helping him learn his current position and place in the world. And yeah, and uh, it's, so it's it, almost it's, a lot of like a string of old man jokes that they're okay, boomer, that they're doing uh -huh. with him. But it's kind of cute watching some of the younger ones that know he's an icon and a legend get him, you know, that's what, that's what, and then the times he gets to surprise people like navigating the hall of control for the ship and gets to pull a ha ha, not so old and decrepit as you thought, which is, you know, the old Picard. I, but anyway, I, I, um, I think that it, dynamic of the two of them may be the, of all of the options you might have around Raffi or around yeah. Picard, that might be the one that's the most stable and, even with its instability, it may be the one that's the most healthy. Because Agnes ha is a good one, but she's got her own agenda, even though she doesn't realize yeah, that she's... Yeah, Agnes is complicated. Yeah, um, every, yeah you know what, what I um, what all really like about... They're all complicated. What I really like... Uh, there's there's a good debate happening in our comments section about... Um, you thought uh, Discovery you... was full of broken people. Hold my beer, <laughs> says Picard. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, Dan mentions that... Um, you know, uh, but doesn't she end up um, uh, with with this dependency because of Picard and Cairo is sort of echoing that that it's Picard's selfishness that got um, himself thrown out of Starfleet and um, probably led to some of um, Rafi's problems as well. Yes. Now but I think I'm this is true about what we see in the episode. Yes, that's all backstory and that's all very important and it's why they're there. So part of this is him helping heal some of the damage that he and others caused. And and that's where I think Rafi and... So Rafi specifically, I think, is one of the, the greatest new additions in Star Trek because she is so human as we are right now. I mean, to see a Star Trek character... And by human, you mean messed up. By human, I mean, like, us right now. Um yeah. Uh, you know, we're not all that perfect, idealized, aspirational, the next generation versions of ourselves. And we, uh, I love Star Trek for giving us that aspirational goal, but it is an aspirational goal. It is, uh, you know, I would love to move beyond scarcity as a, a post-scarcity economy. I, I don't see that happening anytime soon, but I want to work towards something like that. Same thing with Rafi. To see a character who is struggling with substances is fantastic. I, I think especially during coronavirus, so many humans are struggling with substance use. To see a character who is struggling with connection with her family, that is something that so many of us are struggling with. To see a character that has a complex friendship with someone else, someone else who has, who she very much loves and also despises. I mean, which of us hasn't felt that way about a friend that you really care about? And they also really piss you off because they did X, Y, Z thing. 
Um, it's such a um, it's such a relationship that speaks to what the world is like. And um, and Picard is coming to terms and trying to realize the mistakes he's done very slowly over the very slowly over cups of many decaffeinated Earl Grey teas is is realizing that. But he sees uh, coming to understand that. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at the clock and realizing we we've come to Picard, so we've kind of come our full circle. But we really should jump into. We uh, really should. We had a lot to say apparently about yeah. friendships, but and I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm going to do a quick counselor's log here, and um, uh, in, in the away mission, I'm, I'm going to talk more about how to get to some of these types of friendships that we've been talking about, friendships that help you grow. But first, I want to talk about why are friendships so important. And um, to talk about that, we kind of need to talk about what happens when you don't have friendships, when you are feeling a lot of loneliness or isolation, something many of us might be experiencing <laughs> right now. Oh, right? pandemic peaks. Yes. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, one of the things that's been most surprising to me <laughs> is understanding the research on isolation. And um, to sum it up, be, feeling isolated. And feeling isolated is, is different than actually being isolated. You can feel isolated even if you're surrounded by people. You can feel very much alone even if you're living with other people. But when you feel isolated over a long period of time, it's as bad for you as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So why, why is that? Why is feeling alone and isolated so bad for your physical health? Um, People who feel isolated are much more vulnerable to a whole number of physical health problems, let alone psychological problems. One of the best things across mental health is getting support from other people. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to talk about the stuff you're going through. It can mean you're just playing a video game together or you're watching Star Trek together. But to feel supported in the way that you want to be supported, it's one of the best things in mental health. And not having that support, not only is it bad for your mental health, but bad for your physical health. Why? That's what I want to dive into just for a moment. It turns out that when you are alone, feeling alone, feeling isolated, you never quite feel safe. You never quite feel comfortable. And you're, you're much more stressed. You're much more alert. Your, your shields are up. It's almost like you're in a, in a constant state of yellow alert. Um, and what that does is it really impairs your immune system. Your immune system just isn't working as normal, as well as it normally should, because when you're under a lot of chronic stress, that shuts off your immune system. Um, when you're anxious, when you're afraid, your immune system is temporarily shut off because your, your body's prioritizing fight or flight systems. So when you're isolated, it's like you're under a constant state of yellow alert and your immune system just doesn't function well. So friendships are incredibly important, not just for all the reasons we mentioned here, but they literally keep you healthy. They keep you feeling a bit more calm, a bit more safe. And we'll talk about how to get those when we get to the away mission. But I just wanted to share that little detail, uh, Larry, because I think it's uh, important. Yeah, yeah. No. Well, I think are we are we at K three time now? Yeah. Speaking of little details, let's jump into the <laughs> K three factor. <laughs> the little details you might not know that have a big impact on Star Trek. How about that, Larry? That's okay. Okay. 
<laughs> well, and I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to snap your head off because yeah, uh, again, Reed and, uh, Reed and Trip, Reed and Tucker. I love how we go back and forth between last names, first names in Star Trek. Right, 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 right. I, I never got why in the next gen scripts, everyone was Picard, Riker, like on the, on the dialogue lines. It's Troy, Riker, Picard, LaForge, Data, and then Beverly. I'm like, mm. okay. It would have made more sense to have it be Crusher and then Wesley. And it was Wesley, but anyway. I guess that was to avoid confusion. There's a, there's a mini K3 right there. Um, no, this was on Enterprise. The whole Reed, uh, the whole, uh, and I want to say Dominic, the whole Reed trip, Reed trip, Tucker yeah. relationship was in the mold of your great, you know, O'Brien, Bashir, Harry, and Tom, and all that. This is from, you know, Two Days and Two Nights. And yeah, this is what we, and we think of the buddies from Enterprise, and they're the buddies, right? What's interesting here, and K3, once again, is where we do a deep dive in the background from, from my end of things, from Trekland, the Dr. Trekway. What's amazing is, when this, when the show is conceived, <laughs> Whatever you said to Dr. Trekway. Have you ever seen How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying? Um, the what are we? I play it, the Dr. Trekway. No, have you? No, uh, I play it the company way. Whatever yeah, the yeah, company yeah. says, I... that's okay. Um, that's for you, Jared. I know you were waiting for a little sing along. Sorry, Larry, I just had to say it. That. That's a sing along or a drinking game. Uh... Reason. Okay. So, sorry about that, Larry. I just could no, not resist. If I'm going to be int- interrupted for anything, it better be how to succeed in business without really trying. That's the only. <laughs> no. So here's the thing: when the show was conceived, Trip was the number three character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's the engineer, and he's laid back and southern, and all of that. Although he was, he, his uh, nickname was just going to be Char. His nickname was going to be Spike. Anyway, um, the original, really? yeah, it was good. It was his name was it was still uh, it was going to be Charles, which it, which it is. But his nickname, we're going to call him Charlie and they were going to call him Spike because it's. Um, yeah, then Charlie they had, I'm OK with. But Spike just Spike was his original nickname. Yeah, they wound wow. up with Trip. So for for the third. So but the point is, his original best buddy was supposed to be. Can you put the picture up? Uh, you see, do, 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 if you I see it in the pilot. Uh, right here? Yeah. His buddy yeah. was supposed to be Mayweather. That's why this scene is written this way in the pilot, where Mayweather's in the anti-grav sweet spot, and Tucker comes and finds him. Trip comes and finds him. They actually had the two of them to be the buddies, because Reed was going to be this weird, quirky guy who loved bombs and things and was awkward around women and he they were all competing for space in fact i've got one more here to throw up at which proves my point it's all it's only text but hopefully it's entertaining do you oh, see it yeah 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 i see it yeah. uh three two one engage there okay that's a little small maybe but it basically it's there it says charlie's closest friend is mayweather the helmsman um but everything you think about the two of them later, the shuttle pod one moments and all of that was originally supposed to be Mayweather because Reed was going to be this off-put Brit-like demolitions devil who was more interested in hanging out with his armaments than with anybody, men or women. 
and was an odd duck, basically an odd duck that was too odd duck to be friend friends with anybody. And they even to the point where they had a competition for space and resources. Like he's stashing hmm. the ship is tiny and he's stashing weapons everywhere, like in the way he's taking up empty places in engineering with his weapons, and they even they're supposed to bang heads. So the K three here is be careful what you no what you watch later on because it didn't start <laughs> off that way. We think of that them as the great friendship of Enterprise. And the guys, you know, they, they do conventions together. They they host karaoke yeah, yeah. in the conventions. You know, um Connor and Dom are Connor and Dom. They're <laughs> they're a great team. And that's partly why it's another case of something on paper. Um and that was all written way before casting was done before anything was shot. So that's another case of whatever goes down on paper. A lot of times what you see on screen, like mm. like Terry and Michael hitting it off, sparking as Dax and Worf when they brought Worf on the DS9, and no one saw that coming, but they couldn't they couldn't resist what they saw on screen that was unintentional. Or Odo and Kira, the, the chemistry between right. those two actors was just uh, undeniable. That was not... Pl- well, yeah. heck, the, the uh, McCoy and Spock was totally accidental, too. Yeah, yeah. And came... And sprung off the screen. So anyway, there's we're talking about friendships, and and uh, um, now well, now I got to mention them, but um, that's, not that's all a great, friendships evolve as they were intended. <laughs> that's a great uh, reveal. I, again, as most K three factors, I am surprised. Um, I, I am not shocked. You, I am surprised. I am not shocked or appalled, but I am surprised this week. Um, quick question coming in from Dan: Is this image from the series Bible? Is that where? Uh, or is this the pilot? Um, where? No, it's that's, yeah, that's the Bible. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, there we go. There we have it for our K three factor of this week, Larry. While we're talking about K three factors, um, Trekland is always a great place to do a deep dive um, into Star Trek canon. It, it seems like you got something interesting coming up uh, very soon. With yeah, Portal thank you for doing this. I'm, I wanted to say it now before we got to the end of the show. So a week, not tomorrow, but a week from Sunday, the twenty seventh. I'm co-hosting an event virtually for the Improvised Generation, which is the L.A. narrative improv group set in the next their, – their show is set in the next-gen era. And they all play characters – like th- this year there's 12 in the troupe. They've expanded. They all have characters. This is their sixth season. They usually do eight shows. They usually do live shows. Like everybody else, they've gone virtual. But yes, it's like, how can they be improv if they've got characters? Well, they, the situation, the plot is improv and they keep up with their canon. It's awesome. It's awesome. And they do it in a black box. They usually have, they have sound effects. They have wonderful people running things and it's improv. They start off with a, you know, a word from the audience and then they do a whole hour long episode, including opening titles. Anyway, if you're ever in LA during one of their seasons, it would be great to see it. Of course, it'd be great to see anything live anymore. <laughs> But this year they're going virtual. Their launch event this year is virtual and it's, they're, they're doing a cocktail party partly because people have loved the lifeline of virtual panels and virtual conventions. But I think a lot of people are suffering a little virtual fatigue on virtual panels as much as they've been welcomed. So this is actually going to be a cocktail party. So Aliza and I are co, she's in the, in the company. She plays the captain here. Um, uh, Captain Thompson's. Uh, Tompkins, but, um, um, we're co-hosting it. There's lots of people coming through for five, ten minutes. There's two or three groups, but a lot of it is one off. A lot of actors, a lot of people associate, uh, Armin and Kitty, Armin Sherman and Kitty, uh, John Billingsley, uh, Dan Curry, who's got a new book coming out. It was visual effects producer. 
uh, all of their their cast are going to be there. Uh, Mary Chifo, uh, 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 t- um, is it Tamita Tamblin who played Commodore O this year in Picard? Uh, several, you know, a lot two of more folks. actors, yeah, and uh, a lot of folks, uh, a couple of authors. Anyway, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be people cycling through, um, and that's so it's available for free. It's all free. It's, it's all three hours, week from yeah. Sunday. It's three to six Pacific, uh, six to nine Eastern. I think even the Europeans can catch it midnight and 1 a.m. ish window. So it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. It's on that Twitch. Sounds like a ton of fun. Yeah. It's on the Outpost 13 channel on Twitch. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to spread that out and let everybody yeah. know. Hopefully it will be a lot of fun and uh, a slightly different format than we're used to. So just throwing that out yeah. there. Yeah. Wonderful. So with that, um, let's jump into the away mission. Uh, this is the part of the show where I give you one takeaway, at least one takeaway, uh, to help you apply some of what we're talking about to your life. And Larry, this one is a, a little bit of a challenge for me because usually when I talk about friendships, I talk about um, strategies that you can use to become closer to other people. And a lot of those strategies are now more difficult in this world of a pandemic. But um, I still want to outline them and then give people some some ideas on how they can do it in pandemic times. So when it comes to being becoming a friend, and I've got a whole video on this on the Psych Show about um, how to make new friends. Um, it's one of my early episodes, so the quality is a little cringeworthy to me. But you can still check it out if you want a deeper dive into this subject matter. But we, um, we're more likely to become friends with someone that we see on a regular basis, someone that becomes more familiar to us. So the first step is often to become more familiar, to become a regular presence in the person's life. So that might mean uh, you might become more familiar by taking a class together or working together, seeing each other in the coffee shop all the time in the pre-pandemic times. Um, even here, we uh, we feel co- closer to everyone that we see on a regular basis. Um, and we're seeing so many of our regulars here, um, Jared and Dan, Zaheer, Scott, Libby, um, uh, Victoria, it's great to see you becoming more of a regular, right? Like the more you see people, the more comfortable you become with them. And then the big trick to becoming friends with someone and to deepen that friendship, there's, it's, it comes down to two different things. One is to see that person in a different context than where you usually see each other. So if you're two coworkers, going to get coffee is going to deepen your friendship because you're now doing something outside of the context where you always see each other. If you go to class together, um, going to see a movie, again, in the pre-pandemic times, is one way to deepen that friendship. Because you're doing something together in a different context than you usually see each other. That's one. Did you know that most first grade teachers don't live in their classroom? I did not know that. This is news to me. I thought teach all teachers live... <laughs> Did you have that classes. moment when you were like, yeah, you know, yeah, six yeah, or yeah, seven yeah, totally. and you see your teacher out in a store and you're like, yeah, and it just freaks you out. You're like, what are you doing here? You're not, you're not supposed to be outside of school. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, uh, the second thing that, that deepens a friendship is, uh, is secret sharing is, um, taking a risk and sharing something with that person. 
this is what really deepens a friendship because what you're communicating to that other person is I trust you with this information. And it does take some courage to share something that uh, you might not feel 100% ready to share with that person. Um, we're not talking about deep, dark secrets, skeletons in your closet. We're talking about things that just make you a little bit more vulnerable, that you haven't spoken to that other person. But typically what, what happens is um, not only are you communicating, I trust you with this information, but it makes it safer for that other person to reveal more about who they are. So these are the two ways where we deepen friendships. That we, we see each other in different contexts and we share more things about ourselves that make us vulnerable. And the more you do that, the more likely you are to get to those relationships like we see with Jake and Nog, where they are really able to help each other grow because you've created a framework of trust and of support with each other. doesn't happen overnight, but um, we can all take small steps to do something with other folks to deepen our connection with them. Now, Larry, it's hard to do all that in pandemic times. It's hard to do all that when you can't quite see the other person. So my one advice I have for folks is if there is someone in your life and we don't need a lot of friends. Remember all that stuff I said earlier about the immune system and how unhealthy it is to be isolated? Well, you only really need one friend. You only really need one friend that you can share more. You, of you only need one. Wait, that's... All it takes is one friend. <laughs> I, for some reason, I confuse you only live... You only live twice with you only need one. I don't know what. Hey, it, I'll take it. It works. It's working for me. <laughs> no one could friend just one. Okay, that's Lay's potato chips, but okay. <laughs> um, what was I going to say here? I totally, I totally. I'm so, no, but it was a lovely derail, Larry. That was, that was a, it was a lovely, yeah, it was, it was wonderful. That's a new, um, that's a, I want that on a button for live, but it was a lovely derail. <laughs> I think that summarizes a lot of our show. I think that's that summarizes a lot. I know lots of a lot has been spewed here, but that's my vote for like one of our top. Uh, suddenly, out of the blue. Yeah, I mean, this whole show is a lovely derail from uh, from our normal Saturday mornings watching cartoons. Lovely third rail. <laughs> yeah. By the way, why I've stopped you as you were enumerating a lot of our regulars, I was sitting there the whole time going. Oh, who are you going to leave out? Who are you going to leave out? And uh, Cairo is going, I guess I'm highly irregular. Oh, no, Cairo. You're the best. You're, uh, Cairo, uh, you are my favorite Twitcher of uh, Life Support Live. <laughs> uh, you're my favorite member of the Life Support Lifers on uh, on Twitch. Um, uh, we in here somewhere, so yeah. We love you. We love we love everyone on the show, um, everyone who's, who's here. Um uh, I was going to say something. Ah, yes, Larry. So it's hard to do things in different contexts. But here, here's something you can do right now, even in pandemic times, is um, most of what we do is we see each other face to face like this on, on these online platforms. Um, if you can, if you if you see someone often in a group context, 
Um, if you can do more of a one-on-one and have it shared or have a shared activity, whether you are watching something together and maybe just um, uh, texting back and forth about it. Maybe you're watching a Star Trek episode together or some other movie, or maybe you're both having a meal together. You're sharing some coffee with each other. Or maybe you're playing some kind of game together. Having some kind of structured social activity that's different than the usual way that you interact is one way we can deepen friendships right now. The other way we can deepen friendships is just sharing something with that other person that you normally wouldn't share, that you might be a little bit um, little uh, uncomfortable sharing. That's also one way to kind of deepen the friendship. It's hard though right now, Larry, because so many people are, are struggling. So many people are dealing with so much and it's, it's hard to know what can I share? What's the line when you can't see someone? It's yeah. it's very hard to do this, but it's, it's if, hard to bond in the trenches when there are no trenches. <laughs> yeah. Well, it feels yeah. like we're in the trenches and we're not, and we are, and it's, it's a very strange it's place. All, we're all, yeah. Solo, well, unless we've got our significant others with us or whatever, but yeah, we're yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, let's open up those hailing frequencies. Let's kind of uh, catch up on on our text. Let's uh, let's I've go. Been, I've been doing really good this week on the chat, and a lot of good chats been running. By. I somebody, maybe more than one. Dan's mentioned it. I think somebody else did too. Can't believe we haven't mentioned Bashir and O'Brien, but we did. We, yeah, press. and they helped. You know, we talked, but we talked just last week about Bashir helping O'Brien kind of come to the fact that he was enjoying his male time to get away from his in a healthy way to have some apart time from Keiko and the kids. Yeah, yeah, we talked a little I mean, bit more about yeah. about them in that week's episode. And if we have to choose between talking about Jake and Nog versus O'Brien and Bashir, uh, I, I think I'm going to choose Jake and Nog over them just for this, because for this for this for this, for this topic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the growth between O'Brien and Bashir happens centrally around two things. So one is Bashir is quite helpful in helping O'Brien to face the problems in his marriage and support him in that. There's a lot of growth there. And then O'Brien is quite helpful in helping Bashir to face um, some of the, all of the fallout of being revealed as genetically engineered. And then of Section 31 and thinking through these very difficult choices that Bashir has to make. Um, actually, O'Brien does that a lot, helping helping Bashir to think through tough decisions, whether it's about medicine I'm, I'm going or... back to the beginning. Yeah, I'm going back to the beginning and trying to remember when, when Bashir was such a babbling green idiot, you know, that he yeah. pissed off Kira. You know, <laughs> it was all the, I'm the fresh guy out of the academy and I'm going to save the galaxy. That arrogance? Yes. I'm trying to think if it was, if O'Brien, because there's the times when O'Brien was pissed off too, when he's babbling in I, the scene in the runabout when they, I think it's Storyteller. When he's going on and on and on and on, and Bashir and O'Brien is like, oh, senior officer, officer, I'm a non-com. He's rolling his eyes, but he can't see him roll his eyes. And I'm trying to think if Bashir got through that because of better writing. No, if Bashir got through that because of <laughs> O'Brien or if it was just the world wore him down. Of yeah, this. yeah. 
you know. But yeah. anyway, but that's a that's in there too somewhere. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I think O'Brien and Bashir do better than probably most of the friendships we've talked about today, Larry, is fun. The two of them have a ton of fun together, and we see that. I don't know if we see... And it's mostly safe. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if we see as much fun. You know, Tripp and, um, and Malcolm have a lot of fun, but not so safe. I don't know if we see as much fun with the other characters. Um, you know, Spock, Spock, Kirk, and McCoy. McCoy and Kirk have a lot of fun... And Spock is is sometimes trying to like downplay that. Um, well, until you get to the start, you know, the the campfire beans. I mean, kind oh, of, I love I like, love the marshmallow in live. That that I was, <laughs> it's like, oh look, it's the token nice scene in this in this whole movie. Yeah, I um I, I forgot to mention. I think two of the most powerful examples of this, Larry, you, you set this up for me and then I just completely avoided it. You, you threw me the ball and I looked that other way was, as a ball came out. You said you, Ollie, you okay, got some, lol. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that lol gift, I think is a perfect example of what 2020 feels like of, uh, the ball being thrown at lol and it just come, does it hit lol in the face and then, and then lol raises, uh, yeah. their hand? Yeah. 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 That's, that's 2020. Gets up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love, it. maybe someone could post that gift in the comments below. I love that gift so much. Oh my gosh. But, um, yeah, you said, Ollie, you have some good, um, motion picture examples. And, and the two I wanted to say that I think are some of the most beautiful examples of friendship come, um, at, at, uh, thanks to Spock and Kirk. And we see that not only in Star Trek three, where, um, Spock sacrifices himself to help his friends, uh, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. And we see that, um, brings a tear to me eye every time I see um, every time I see the, the ending to Wrath of Khan to then Kirk saying the needs of the many outweigh the needs of um, the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many and Spock is like what in Star Trek 3 when the whole crew comes together to save him um, to then Star Trek 6 when Kirk says let them die. And the shock of that, which feels very much like the shock of a private little war. Mm-hmm. And Spock is his morals and, and, um, his North Star and his, his compass saying, no, we gotta do the right thing. Look, I know this is personal. I know the Klingon bastards killed your son. I know that. Say it but three we- times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never forget him for the death of my boy. Um, Rurapente! Now we can go on and on. I love that film. Um, but, but Spock is reflecting back. Look, we gotta, we gotta do better. We gotta look past these differences. This is for the sake of the, 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 uh, of peace in this quadrant. Um, those are, those are some of the best examples of a friend who's there for you and pushes you and makes the hard decision because they love you, they care about you, and they know you can be better. You know, I, I, 
those are some of my favorite examples throughout all of Star Trek. Well, okay. <laughs> um, a couple of things I want to mention that I haven't um, that haven't been mentioned yet. Um, I think Dan also mentioned um, the Kelvin timeline, and we see a few oh, different oh, examples. Yes. I yeah. had a big example from the Kelvin. Timeline. Oh, let's let's go Kelvin. Did, let's uh, let's uh, go through the black hole really with the red matter. Image. Yeah, no, the, yeah, yeah. The big Hit one me. from Kelvin is Pike and Kirk. To me. And and yes, it gets into that separation by years. I totally meant to send you an image for this. It was like, yay, I thought of a Kelvin thing. <laughs> I usually ignore the Kelvin universe because it's so pointless. But that was actually one that fits our theme today. So, yeah, no, I um um I love that. Um, it very much does start with that power differential, but as we see it evolve, um, especially in Star Trek Into Darkness, there's um there's a um, you get the impression that there's more, um, there's more to their, uh, to their relationship than just the power, uh, differential there. Um, and then we, we really see the evolution of a friendship between Spock and Kirk. We see the, um, the complex relationship between Ahura and Spock. Uh, we see, uh, the development of a friendship with McCoy and, uh, and Kirk, I know you're not a big fan of it, but I like the lie, you know, oh, she left me with where my bones. Um, I do, I do love that line, although I know it breaks, uh, previously. No, it's just, uh, it's just, it's just, okay. They, they did it on the spur of the moment while they were filming, which, you know, there was nobody there to go, uh, okay, if we're going to do that, then let's make it like as big a point difference as Kirk's dad dying in this, you know, Vulcan is gone and Kirk's dad died. These are the hallmarks of the... Okay, fine. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Off, yeah. That, so, um, off that soapbox. Okay. You know, uh, we haven't talked about this, but Zaheer mentions the senior officers on uh, the Enterprise D having their poker night. We haven't talked about multi-person friendships beyond just, like, two people. Oh. Um, oh, um, just friendships. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, well, we're not we talking about Battlestar Galactica about here. We talked about the classic triumvirate from from original series. Yeah, we did talk about that. Yeah, um, we didn't really talk about the senior staff as uh, as as friends. There, um, we see this actually to tie this all back. We see this with lower decks with uh, the the series, not the episode. Although you see it in the episode as well from TNG. But the, the group support of each other, that we're in it together, we're working together, and that's um, just a little bit different flavor than what we've been talking about with these other friendships. Um, so here, that's a great, great pick right there. We're having a lot of murmuring in the chat about what about <laughs> uh, constructive friendships that help you grow among the adversaries. I was also oh. trying to think about guest stars and one-off roles, but also the adversaries. Yeah. Any that come to mind, Larry? <laughs> well, they mentioned that people are mentioning the Duras sisters, but they're sisters. Mm. It's, I don't know how they're pushing each other to be better. I mean, the whole the whole idea of this is kind of inverted. If, now, the best adversaries aren't. And now we have a weapon of unlimited power. Uh, yeah. I don't. Dur I mean, you know, are they adversaries or allies or just sitting out there? You know, between. You know, Mar the well, the other oh, another relationship we didn't mention was, uh, and I meant to pull an image from this. Oh, I thought I did. Maybe I didn't. 
uh, Worf and Martok. Yes, yes, yes. Worf and Martok is a wonderful... You know, it starts again with that... Um, you could make an argument, is there a power differential there? But I, I think since they're both serving... One serving the Klingon Empire, well, one serving the Federation. There's yeah, one it comes minute. and goes. Yeah. One minute, Martok is like, don't feel like an orphan. Be in my house. Be in my family. And, you know, he's looking up. But then at the end, Worf is like, no, no, you be Chancellor. <laughs> Folks, I think we have a life support live first here. I think that's the first time I've heard you do Klingon, Larry. Um, oh, is that I what have... you call that? <laughs> I, I think that's what you call that. That's that what wasn't you're just doing. growl? Okay, I was trying to do my JG, you know. JG Hertzler, who just did a voice. <laughs> yeah, his, he's got... Uh, Robulans have no honor. Um, I'm sure. I don't know if he said that. I, I can just assume he said that because, like, every Klingon at some point has said that. As well, yeah. Um, no, but th- this gets it's to just Worf. <laughs> the um, this gets to <laughs> siblings too. Like, um, he basically becomes Sorry. like a brother. He said- Friendships. <laughs> well, yeah. Now, can you be a friend with a yes, sibling? Yes, you can you be can, a friend with your, You yeah. can definitely not be friends with a sibling. Um, and then we have complex relationships like Spock and Burnham. Now, they're adopted siblings. Mm-hmm. Which and, someone said in the chat. Yeah, someone mentioned that. And <laughs> um, they don't they don't start off very much in an amicable way. But where we see them evolve in Star Trek Discovery is uh, they, I don't know if we can call them friends, but they do definitely have a respect and understanding and affection for each other. Um, and the Dura sisters, you know, they're siblings here. But I definitely... Twisted sister siblings. Twisted yeah. sisters. Uh, that <laughs> feels like a reference to something else. Uh, I don't know what that a, is. A band? <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> you know, I am um, I mean, growing up, um, growing up, my, my brother and I um, have a 10 year age separation. Uh, growing up, he was always much more of a half brother, half father kind of figure. Mm-hmm. But as we got older, we definitely formed a friendship and I enjoyed spending my time with him. Um, together in a way that's that felt more like a friendship that's complicated by all the other stuff uh, going on in our family. So I think it's possible to be friends with a okay. With a sibling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, I think Zaheer had. Oh, yes. Um, Tomalak and Picard. They respect each other. Probably not friends. They're not hanging out. They're not having Romulan ale together, although I would love to see that episode of Star Trek Picard. Um, I mean, part of the problem here is we're getting into the weeds. That's, I mean, a lot of the adversaries, just like good guy guests and good girl guest stars, we just don't see enough of them to see them bond. And and uh, Zaheer says, Wayun Dukat and the female changeling. It's like, well, DS9 is one of those rare times when you saw everybody enough that you actually got a sense of interaction in detail and over a long period of time. So yeah, I don't is, uh, know how Wayu and Dukat and the female changeling were making each other smarter or better. And, being... and and it gets to the power stuff too. Like Wayun is created to worship the changelings. Like so it's in the founders. So I think it's, it's it gets complicated there. 
Um, but Zaheer reminded me of Garrick and Bashir and their relationship. And they are, um, now, it's complicated there too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Larry's just waiting for me to, to, to deal with this one. Um, now how much attraction is there and how much is it, uh, love, especially from, um, Garrick towards Bashir? Yeah, we, we don't know. Um, in canon, we don't know. Out of canon, that's always how the actor played it. Um, at the same time, we see the two of them push each other at different moments. I would say it's more Garrick pushing Bashir and helping him to get out of his naivete about how the, the galaxy works. But there is, there is something there. Bashir and Garrick both look forward to their, uh, their meals together. And I would say that that is also a reflection of the complexity of relationships that we have. How many people have had the experience of feeling close to someone and having a romantic attraction to them and not having it reciprocated, but still liking that relationship, liking the friendship, just because it helps them to feel close to that person. I think we've all kind of experienced that at different points in our lives, and I think Garrick and Bashir are a good example yeah. of that. Friendships aren't always 100% reciprocal, Larry. Right. Well, well, like ours. Um, <laughs> we were talking about Bashir and O'Brien, and I was saying, I don't know about the the rounding the rough corners of Bashir's personality the first couple of years, mm. but now that getting into this, that's a lot of that came from Garrick, kind of wiping off the green, you know, Getting rid of the wide-eyed, ni- yeah, the wide-eyed naivetite. Naivetite? <laughs> uh, as Jared <laughs> says, uh, <laughs> never check him out, too. They're focused focus straying. Straying. Uh, that yeah. should also be a button that we make. Um, yeah, that should be yeah. the other one. <laughs> um, um uh, there's one other comment. Yeah, so, uh, Dan Life and, support and when Zahir. the sink failed. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're killing me! I love it. Um, the other one that comes up, is coming up in the chat is Beverly and Deanna, and, um, Dan mentions that, and Zaheer says, um, yeah. I was thinking of Bev and Deanna too, but the writers didn't give them much growth. Am I right? I agree. Um, we did well. We talked. I I did mention them. We were laughing. You about mentioned the, the aerobic scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, three years of live STLV. There were there were a couple of uh, young women that were different 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 ones different years. But I've seen people cosplay those workout outfits more than once by different people. <laughs> Which, you know, that's the perfect homage. That's the perfect honorary. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 um, I wish they actually had a bit more. Um, you know, when it comes to, um, seeing two female characters speak together in a scene in the next generation, not about another man, uh, that doesn't happen too often in the ne- in next generation. So, um, I wish, I wish they actually had more scenes together. And we had that, we had that discussion on our Star Trek Insurrection watch about uh, the moments that they do share and um, uh, good and bad you associated know, with that. Yeah. somebody in your profession ought to come up with, I don't know, some kind of a test <laughs> to, like, grade <laughs> movie and TV scenes to see when there's actual organic... 
female-to-female empowered dialogue. The test, perhaps, is something we might be referring the to The Becky here. test? What did you say? Is no, what? definitely not the Becky test. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so um, we could go on and on. Um, maybe Jordy and Hugh. Uh, that's, a, that's a good one here. I would say um, Hugh and Picard becomes um, definitely a friendship mm-hmm. that we see uh, in Star Trek Picard as well. Um, Hugh is a great pick, Dan. Um, I agree with you, here. Thanks for listening to the Life Support Live podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on this episode. I'm at Alimatu on social media. And I'm at Larry Nimichek. Hey, if you like this show, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. It'll help more people to discover life support. And you can join the community at our Life Support Live Facebook group. If you'd like to learn more about psychology and mental health, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash the psych show. And for a deeper dive into all things Trekland, like Portal 47, check out Larry Nimichek's Trekland on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, live long and prosper. Trek well, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>